Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It's another uplifting early week edition for you. I am Andy Behrens coming to you from Chicago. He, of course, is Scott Pianowski coming to you from the greater Detroit area. I just visited Scott last week live and in person. That was fun. We got lunch together. I was traveling in Detroit for like a little industry event. Good times. Good to see you, sir. How are you? Yeah, great. It was a lovely meal, a lovely burger at the Red Coat Tavern, Royal Oak. Shout out to the Red Coat. That's a little buzz marketing for the Red Coat. Yeah, talent. there you go. Um, so we we had uh, good burgers were had, good photos were taken, hearty discussion. I got my was the 2019 FSWA award for the baseball podcast of yep. the year. The now defunct Yahoo Fantasy Baseball podcast. It was, we had a fun ride. Went out on top. Went yeah, out we're on like top. National. We had a great time. Just maybe a little bit ahead of our time, <laughs> but um, you know, one of these days we'll bring a silly draft back. I'm going to be on Dave Damashek's podcast Tuesday, which I'm really looking forward to. And one of these days we're going to get him on here, and producer John's going to produce it. And we're just going to I'm just going to get silly with Damashek for 90 minutes. It's going to be awesome. So yeah, great American. Oh, I am ready for that. I'm ready for some Steelers talk, too. Uh, that sounds great. Uh, if if you guys are listening to a fantasy football pod in the middle of June, uh, then you you maybe would enjoy yourself some Yahoo fantasy football. Uh, you can sign up now at sports.yahoo.com slash fantasy today on the podcast. It's pretty exciting. Uh, we're going with secret lists again. Uh, this has been one of my favorite things that we've done over the last month or so. Uh, this is each of us coming up with our own list of things independent of one another. Today's topic going to be 2021 mistakes, mistakes that we made in our fantasy process. These can relate to, I don't know, a draft strategy, a team, a player. I came up with a bunch of different things. I've got I've got four or five pretty solid things here to go through that were that were major L's for me. Um, I have not shared my list with Scott. He has not shared his list with me. Uh, so we may have a little bit of overlap there. Uh, this is probably the secret list on which we should have the least overlap, but who knows? Um, we're probably going to have a little, but before we get started, we do have one actual NFL note, uh, that is probably worth a mention. Probably, maybe sort of, uh, we have some renewed Baker Mayfield to Carolina talk. I am totally here for it. I would like a resolution to the Baker Mayfield thing. I would like uh, any sort of semi-competent quarterback play in Carolina. That seems like a good thing. Uh, Reportedly, the the Browns are willing to take on about half of Baker's salary to facilitate a deal. Uh, The Panthers have to be interested, and they can't let this thing drag on too long if they are indeed going to be the landing spot. 
Uh, does this does this move the needle for you for anybody involved in this thing? DJ Moore, uh, Christian McCaffrey, anybody? Well, last year I was hoping that Sam Darnold could resurrect his career in Carolina, and it would be good for DJ Moore. And oh, you know, he's got history with Robbie Anderson. This may not be the last time we talk about this on this show. But the thing with Baker Mayfield, we have to remember is that okay, maybe he's never going to be like a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and maybe it was a little bit silly that he. He had some success, and then he was just on every commercial. It felt like. I mean, I remember him playing the Packers on a Saturday game last year, and like Baker would throw a pick, Rodgers would throw a touchdown pass, and then they'd go to commercial, and you'd see three Baker Mayfield commercials. It just it was just crazy, you know. And <laughs> but Baker Mayfield played with an injured shoulder all all last year. It was his off shoulder. It was not his throwing shoulder. But I mean, he was out there, and at some point, it just became obvious, at least to me and a lot of other people, that like maybe a healthy case Keenum is better than a really compromised Baker Mayfield. I still think he's capable of being a league average quarterback, at least maybe even a little bit better than that. And Carolina doesn't have that right now. I think Baker Mayfield would be a good get for a lot of teams, especially if Cleveland's willing to pick up some of the check and it would, you know, DJ Moore, you look at his talent and then you look at his stats, right? I mean, I don't think he's ever had more than four touchdown catches in a season, which is absurd for a player as good as DJ Moore. Yeah, I would, Absolutely. If they got Mayfield, I would certainly be moving DJ Moore up, you know, within the hour if that trade happened. This is the exact right take on Baker Mayfield, I think, right? Like I, I agree with you that he's not, you know, he's perhaps not a top 10, top 12 NFL quarterback, anything like that. But man, one thing that we see every year, and it it leads to it is a it is a recurring mistake that I think a lot of fantasy managers make is when a player is coming off a year in which they play through injury and listen, yeah, it, it may have been Baker Mayfield's non-throwing shoulder, but like the procedure that you'd have to repair it is not like some cosmetic procedure, right? Like his, his left arm isn't just for show. Everything matters on the football field. It is an intensely physical game. It's not like it was a, an entirely irrelevant injury. And, and oftentimes, you know, shoot, you can just stick with Cleveland. Look at, look at, Odell Beckham just a year or two before, right? Like that guy had a full season in which he played through injury. We all knew that he played through injury and yet fantasy managers don't really account for that, right? They go into the next season and they're like, ah, that guy was a disappointment. It's like Antonio Gibson coming into this season. That man played on a broken leg last year, only missed one game. And that, that missed game was due to COVID, right? Had a, had a phenomenal season. If you're just looking at surface level fantasy stats and um, a lot of managers were disappointed because they were like, eh, I expected more. I expected 15 touchdowns, 18 touchdowns, whatever. He wasn't a, he didn't deliver first round value, but again, the man played on a broken leg. Baker played through a significant injury. Um, I think he's better than what he showed last year. That doesn't mean that I think he's a star. I think he's a clear upgrade for Carolina, assuming he eventually lands there. I, I hope for his sake, for the team's sake, that it, they, they hurry up and just get it done, right? So that like we can go into training camp and we know who the Panthers quarterback is. You're right to call out Moore in particular because he's, I mean, you can go back to college with DJ Moore. He's never played with a great quarterback, which is not to say that Baker Mayfield is, again, necessarily a great quarterback, but a healthy Baker Mayfield might be about as good as it's ever been for DJ Moore. Um, so that's really encouraging. And uh, it, it would give DJ Moore a path, I think, to eight touchdowns, nine touchdowns, some sort of respectable total. I mean, he's cobbled together these 1,100-yard receiving seasons with just absolute jokers. Um, so th- this would this would almost undeniably be a good thing for him. I think you have the right take. Yeah, I mean, we're always looking for the receivers we like to get into good relationships, right? You know, Allen Robinson finally has it now. 
after all the going again going back to college he never played with good quarterbacks and Terry McLaurin one of my favorites he's been saddled it's been so bad for Terry McLaurin that last year we were excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick going to Washington to maybe boost up McLaurin and, and then that fell apart in the first half of the first game when Fitzpatrick had hurt and ultimately that was his final action in the NFL he's he's since retired so I weep for all the fun YOLO plays that I think Fitzpatrick and McLaurin might have connected on last year, but you know, injury stepped in the way. It's a big part of football. Um, but let's get DJ Moore a competent quarterback. Baker Mayfield is that. It is It is funny that you've already mentioned Sam Darnold and Ryan Fitzpatrick because I'm now realizing as I look at my list of biggest mistakes from 2021 that I, I can't believe I, I didn't call out the fact that I drafted, you and I, I believe, are in this league together, the Rasball hosted Superflex Dynasty League. I got so mad at the way people were drafting last year because it was like, you know, I think Tua went in like the second round or the third round. Like absolutely everybody off the top of that draft went quarterback, quarterback. I think I picked 10th and the fr- and like eight of the first nine picks off the board were quarterbacks. And I was so mad at who was available to me uh, with the 10th overall pick that I I basically drafted and I was joking about it on Twitter. I basically had a, a, a zero QB draft in a super flex league and I landed on Ryan Fitzpatrick and Sam Darnold as my quarterbacks. And I can tell you that that is no way to move forward in a dynasty league. Um, I obviously had an early pick this year, took Kenny Pickett, which is not going to move the needle for me at all. I don't have high hopes for Kenny Pickett, but anyway, I probably should have listed that on my, that entire draft on my list of 2021 mistakes. I didn't, but now I've gone through it and I feel a little bit better for it. Um, yeah, so why don't boo, you give me on who on the Rasball guys? I love those guys. And I love donkey teeth who runs that league, but draft order for the next season should never be reverse order of standings. That is the worst way to do it. It should be the first team out of the money should pick first. And if your team stinks, you should have to pay a penalty for that. Now, granted, there's no trading in that league. So it's not like a lot of keeper leagues where the guy who came in last sells off the farm lives with a horrible team says, Oh, cool. I get the best rookie coming out. And some year that's a really big prize. You know, last year it may have landed you Jamar chase or somebody like that, but I do not, I'm not in favor of um, you, you sucked last year. So now you pick first. I hate that. I some, in some leagues, f- in some leagues, you have to incentivize the last place finishers to come back. I don't think that is such a league. Like I would have been back regardless of where I was picking, right? Like there's, I wasn't last, but I think I was, I was, I was next to last. I don't know how that happened in a league in which Sam Darnold was my best quarterback, but it, but nevertheless, I wasn't last. Okay. So let's talk mistakes. We're going to go to my number five mistake. Yeah. You, oh, did you order them? I just, I just wrote five random things down. If you ordered them all the better, give me number five. Oh yeah. I have them. I have them ranked from least egregious to most egregious. And I also have some also receiving votes that will get mentioned at the end. My number five mistake. And man, it just looks so dumb in retrospect is I had shares of Mike Davis last year. It wasn't a ton of Mike Davis. It, It wasn't optimistic. I'm elbowing you out of the way for Mike Davis. It was more like the rest of the room doesn't like Mike Davis. He's the only real running back Atlanta has. I think he's going to get boring volume. I'm just looking for him to cobble together like 1,250 total yards, five to seven touchdowns, maybe the upside to do a little bit better because he's the only show in town. What I didn't see coming was that Cordero Patterson would become a running back. I didn't see Matt Ryan. I, I knew he was on the back nine of his career. And I'm, it's funny how we see Matt Ryan now as an upgrade in Indianapolis over their previous quarterback. But I didn't think the Falcons would totally be awful. I didn't think Arthur Smith would have so much trouble getting acclimated. Of course, they got nothing out of Calvin Ridley last year. Kyle Pitts was a little bit of a disappointment. But Mike Davis just became the poster child of, oh, see you idiots, you draft running backs in the dead zone, and you end up getting bitten. But I think more than that is I, I forgot a rule 
my friend Dan Williamson, great fantasy player, and he does a lot of dynasty content. He's based out of Minnesota. He talks about when a player pops into relevance in his late 20s when he had no pedigree whatsoever, no resume before that, just don't chase those guys the next year. And again, it wasn't like Davis had a monster season and everybody wanted him. He was more like a lot of people didn't want him. I thought, okay, sixth round, I'll take Mike Davis. This is, I just want him to be playable. I'm not, my expectations are so low here. Okay, I'm giving you an extremely low bar to clear, and he did not clear it. He, he actually crashed into the bar, and it went tumbling down into the padding, and and it was just an, a, a sorry season for everybody. And the worst part is I held on to Mike Davis even longer than I should have. I'm like, well, I can't cut this guy. He's going to get 12 touches next week. But those 12 touches would go nowhere, and eventually he wasn't even getting those anymore. Yeah, it's a good call. He he was not on my list. Um, I had a million fantasy problems last year. Davis, not not a, a chief one among them. Um, but he like the other thing that we should say about Davis is uh, he. It's not like he didn't get opportunities early in the season. I just brought up his game log. Week one, fifteen carries, three catches. Week two, nine carries, seven catches. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty consistently fifteen, sixteen, seventeen touches in the first like a month and the that's what i thought i was getting that's all i wanted just give me boring volume and i I guess for a few weeks he did give me that which is why i I kept the leash so long as i did sure it the problem is it was just a little bit too boring right like he finishes the year at like 3.6 yards per carry patterson was absolutely phenomenal he seemed like a he seemed like a touchdown every five touches for the first couple months of the season but to your point about not chasing these guys who break out at weird ages what is Cord- Cordero Patterson now, right? <laughs> like he's like a, he's like a ninth year breakout. Um, what, what are you doing with him in 2022? You're, you're surely not chasing that. Are you, you know, e- even though the shape of Patterson's career is different than Mike Davis's career, I think the Williamson rule applies when somebody pops this late in the arc of their career, you have to take it skeptically. So I, I Patterson's a fun player. Also, he's just so gadgety. So much of what he does, and I realize they did use him in, in a more traditional running back role at some point, but it's just hard for me. That's just not the type of thing I want to bet on repeating. I don't think it's a sustainable business model. I also don't know if Arthur Smith is going to be a good head coach, and I think I may have overestimated his role in Tennessee's resurgence. You know, Maybe that was more about the players they had. Not that he he's a horrible coach or anything like that, but I wonder if maybe he's over his skis as the head guy in Tennessee. I'm, I'm not going to have Patterson next year very much, maybe not any at all. And and I say that with sadness because he's a fun play. The NFL is more fun when guys like Cordero Patterson are a thing, but uh, I'm out this year. That's all really well said. Um, I love that it happened last year. It was one of the, it was one of the great stories of the 2021 season. Like, it, and, and it's one of those things that you really only appreciate it. I feel like if you're a Falcons fan or you're a fantasy player, like it is wild that that happened for Cordero Patterson, a, a kick returner, at that stage of his career, I don't think it's particularly repeatable. I'm kind of into Tyler Algier. Um, I, I I just think they're at some point they move on. Obviously, you can't. Uh, Cordero Patterson is not going to be like a like a key piece, a key foundational piece of your running game moving forward at this stage in his career. So you and I are in agreement on that one. I'll give you my number five. I since I have to order this on the fly really quickly. Uh, my number five. Thing that I got horrendously wrong in 2021. And I was going to actually, initially, I was going to talk about a specific Giants player. I think I'm just going to say the Giants because at various points, you know, I think early in the season, I was, I was touting Daniel Jones as a potential waiver ad, right? If you had trouble at quarterback, not that anybody necessarily had trouble at quarterback last year, wherever I had Saquon in the ranks, um, which I probably ranked him as a second rounder last year, that was too high. Uh, Wherever you had any receiver on the Giants, that was too high. 
Um, I, I actually went through and looked at the, uh, the year end finish for all these guys. Daniel Jones was the QB 26. Saquon was RB 32. Kenny Galladay was wide receiver 83. Evan Ingram, tight end 23. The defense ranked 24th. Graham Gano, kicker Graham Gano, was the only top 20 fantasy scorer at his position on this damn team. And he finished as the number 19 kicker. So he was your fantasy MVP for the Giants. I don't know. Terrible situation. Terrible, to use a corporate buzzword, terrible ecosystem, terrible everything. Obviously, they get a coaching upgrade, we assume, to Brian Dable. That's exciting. The offensive line can't be any worse than it was last season. I guess that's exciting. If I if I have to really put this on a one guy though and and uh, and say that he was a particular disappointment, I know I had Saquon Barkley on a couple of rosters, and that was just a, that was just a pick that you that you burned, right? Um, he was super inefficient. We may never see the the rookie version that like final year at Penn State rookie season version of Saquon Bar- Barkley was basically a, a superhero, and I hope we get that guy again at some point. But last year, only twenty forced missed tackles on 162 carries only nine runs of 10 or more yards the guy averaged basically what mike davis averaged uh 3.7 yards per carry so i I don't know maybe there's hope for the giants maybe there's hope for saquon i'm really low on him i'm low on all these guys this year yeah barkley was one guy i actually got right he was not only one of my fades i think he might have been the signature fade I had before the season, just worried about his offensive line, not trusting Jason Garrett, who I think might have been fired in the middle of last season. After the bye week last year, the Giants were easily the worst offense in football. They they went, yeah. what was it, four, five, six, one and seven after the bye. And they scored 10, 13, 9, 21, 6, 10, 3, and 7 points. The last three games, they didn't even get to 200 yards of offense in a league where they basically hand out offense at the airport you know you you step off the bus and you already have like 350 yards the rest is up to you their best yardage game after the bye was 316 yards which is a lousy game and just everything in this offense didn't work joe judge obviously was a mistake they've roomed him out of there i am not in on barkley i am still i do share i think your instincts on jones were reasonable and i still think jones could have some super flex slash dfs buzz this year i still think somebody in this passing game could pop i see interesting parts of that passing game i barkley's the guy i'm, I'm not going to touch but i'm open-minded that the giants passing game could be fixed well and barkley was kind of the ultimate proof of you know one of your drafting tenants i think basically is is to avoid injury optimism uh where, wherever you may find it right and you know saquon barkley puts out a couple of instagram videos or whatever and he's working out on a beach and everybody all of a sudden feels really good about his prospects in fantasy football and he could not avoid a tackle to save his life he was super super inefficient last season um not at all like the guy that we saw you know a handful of years ago who was like a 2000 scrimmage yard player again hope he can get back to it but it, it's not something that uh, that i think we should probably bet on what is your number four biggest mistake from 2021 I'll give you that in a second just one more thing i want to mention I, mean, I know i've talked about this a lot already in previous shows and i'm sure it will be a consistent theme in the summer a very fascinating inflection point is coming for this very talented group of running backs who are in their mid to late 20s, where they're approaching that second contract. We, where are we at? With, a lot of people are really nervous to draft Zeke Elliott right now, and people are nervous about Barkley. And McCaffrey's coming off two lost seasons. Derrick Henry finally got hurt for the first time last year. And I, I, I did some research and, and looked at, I did a tweet thread on this maybe a month ago, six weeks ago, about 
the, these windows are never as open as we think, as long as we think. Yeah, yeah. every once in a while, a guy like Frank Gore, you know, percolates into his 30s and he's, he's still useful. Mark Ingram had a good year at like age 29 or 30. But once these guys hit 27, 28, 29, I mean, they're just about done. And I also have a theory about, it's called the cheese theory, that once the cheese goes bad on a player, don't bet on it going good. Like once the cheese went bad <laughs> on A.J. Green, I just washed my hands of A.J. Green. I was done with that cheese. And I'm worried that Barkley could be a, the cheese has yeah. gone bad guy. It's I'm not this year. You're going to get seduced by oh my god, Barkley's still here. I just did, did, did an MFL where Zeke was available in the fourth round. It's like he's, he's Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he's not as good as Pollard, but he still has the big contract. They still want Zeke to be a featured guy. You know, maybe I have to consider taking them. And it's one of those things where it's like I can't let him go. But then the moment you take him, you're like, why do I want Zeke Elliott? Zeke I was might really also Zeke might also be an example of the guy who played through an injury the prior season, and we all developed a pretty sour taste, right? Like you're not like none of us were that into Zeke Elliott at midseason last year because he he was not running as 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 well as Pollard necessarily wasn't creating highlights at the rate that you might expect. But he was also playing through a knee issue that that compromised him. And if he is healthy, eh. Maybe it's better. Fair. And they're also going to play to the contract. We'll get to my fourth uh, mistake from last year. And we already teased it a little bit. I was willing to give Sam Darnold a pass because he he had mono and he had some injuries and he, he had Adam Gase, which we've seen so many players, once they get away from Adam Gase, things get better. He was leaving the Jets. I liked the skill talent on Carolina. And it wasn't so much as I was drafting Darnold. It was that, oh, yeah, D.J. Moore sounds great. Oh, yeah, Robbie Anderson, he already knows Sam Darnold. They already had success on a bad <laughs> Jets team. So I thought, like, Robbie Anderson in the middle rounds, like, oh, I got Robbie Anderson as like, my third or fourth receiver. I thought that was a steal. I thought D.J. Moore was in good place for production. I was even willing to take Darnold in those deeper pool. Like, if I had him as, like, a third quarterback in Superflex, I thought that was great. Well, Sam Darnold was terrible. Robbie Anderson was invisible. D.J. Moore was disappointment. Uh, everything I wrote about Sam Darnold last year. And, and again, a guy who, it's funny, he started the season with some fantasy juice. He was doing a lot of running. He even had one week, I've never understood this, where he was the number one quarterback on the PFF grading system, which would have been my <laughs> signal to like totally revamp it. But um, Sam Darnold, it looks like he can't play. Uh, we talked earlier about Carolina's trying to get Baker Mayfield, which is seen as a major upgrade to Darnold. And as you said, the jokers, they've had a quarterback at Carolina for the last few years. So, I thought Darnold could be functional. I thought Anderson would be good. I thought DJ Moore would be very good. And none of those things came to pass. And it looks really bad now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure when I made Sam Darnold one of my starting quarterbacks in that uh, in that Superflex <laughs> Dynasty League. I can't believe I keep mentioning that. It's such an embarrassment. I'm pretty sure one of the stories I told myself was, oh, he's got this pre-existing relationship with Robbie Anderson. This is going to be fantastic. It was not. It was not a brutal fantastic. year for Anderson. No. Um, the only the only good moments that we got from Sam Darnold was that totally unrepeatable month where he ran randomly ran for a touchdown basically every game and was was throwing together these these um, quite like weirdly respectable fantasy performances in which he was not a particularly good real life quarterback. And then it, it all just came crashing down. Crashing down is the word, man. That's another team that. I feel like in the second half of the year, they couldn't do anything right. One, two, they lost their final seven games and eight of their last nine games. They were basically the Giants South where they were getting about, you know, 280 yards of offense a week over the last two months. This was a team that you were probably stacking their de your, your defense against these guys because the, and it, you know, to, to, in Darnold's defense, I mean, 
Um, I totally forgot Cam Newton ended up in the Panthers again last year. He lost all five of his starts. Cam Newton's lost a bunch of starts in a row. P.J. Walker got a start. Uh, none of these things worked out. In fact, Dar- Darnold, by comparison, I mean, he went he went four and seven somehow. Uh, the team went one and five without him. But um, Carolina was a very sad team last year. Tom Brady knew what he was doing when he went to the NFC South. It's like, How about okay, it? who do I have to beat? You know, I can do that. Okay, I'm going to give you my number four, and it would be it was a huge miss. And it would be higher on the list if it was actually a little bit more impactful. I feel like you could survive having drafted Allen Robinson. Um, That probably didn't crush you. Maybe you played him a few weeks too long. He was obviously a a, a flaming fantasy disaster. And and where I where I feel bad about it is that I I thought there was I thought there was a big game coming at some point, in part because we've seen Allen Robinson be so good in such otherwise terrible environments. Obviously, you know, this is a guy who's had a big season with Blake Bortles. This is a guy who who had over 1,200 yards with Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky as his quarterbacks. Um, he's just a year removed from catching 102 balls for the Bears for t- a terrible offense, right? Like, I think he is a an absolutely gifted receiver. I think he's a wonderful player. I think he can still be very good. He's He's not young anymore. He's like, he's headed into his age 29 season. Maybe that's a little bit of a concern, but he's in such a great environment. I mean, he's in the he's in the environment that resurrected Odell Beckham last year. He's with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Like he's in a situation where he's never going to be the receiver who draws the most attention on the field. So I, I think things are looking up for Allen Robinson. It was just I I undersold and uh, you know, I'm a lifelong Bears fan, so I am not inclined to be optimistic about this team. But I really undersold how how bad the coaching environment was last year. Um, scattershot quarterback play all season, and then a coaching staff that almost never adapted to who was playing quarterback. It was just a terrible scenario for Robinson, who clearly didn't want to be in Chicago. Had some injury issues along the way. I think he's a nice bounce bounce back player, but I, I just absolutely got him wrong last year. Yeah, it, it can be hard to know what to do with players like Allen Robinson because you see them beat bad situations before. He Again, he did it at Penn State. He did it with Blake Bortles. Yep. And so you start thinking, okay, well, Allen Ro- Robinson is situation-proof. He's context-proof. He's quarterback-proof. But maybe we just have to remind ourselves that just because somebody beat a bad situation, they're still running uphill. It's less preferential than to running downhill. There's still it, Those things can go off the, skid, uh, off the rails. They can skid out of control so easily. And last year we saw it. I don't think anybody blames Robinson for it. I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect a bounce back. So I, I echo everything you said about that. Uh, you said that wasn't a very impactful mistake. I mean, it was a mistake, but it didn't like ruin your season. I, I have the next three are things that <laughs> getting them wrong was really bad. And my number three is Jamar Chase. It wasn't that I was like, oh, I wasn't jumping up and down telling people not to draft Jamar Chase. I don't I don't think I could be wrong on this. I don't think he was on any fade list of mine. Uh, although if I did put him on there, I just I think I just liked Jamar Chase a little bit less than some other people because he didn't play football the year before. And Burrow was coming off a major injury. And I predicted that Joe Burrow, his rookie year, would have the best rookie quarterback season in fantasy history. He did not have that season. But I feel at least validated by the way Burrow played last year. That's like, well, that's what I was banking on. That's the guy I thought we might see. Chase, you know, basically blew up football and, and Burrow was fantastic. They obviously made a run to the Super Bowl and I had none of it. And I, I again, I think I overestimated. I, I didn't look, I know Chase didn't have the greatest training camp and he was dropping a bunch of passes. That didn't really worry me. I just thought it's hard to not play football for a year and come back and be really smooth and in sync. And Burrow's coming off a major injury. Now, these guys, 
again, talk about the familiarity. I mean, they were a pinball machine at LSU. The fact that Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson were on the same football team just seems patently unfair. Yeah. Um, they had other good skill talent on that team, too. And I wish I had paid more attention. I wish I just made them a staple like every Saturday and watched them. I did watch them in the in the playoff games. But uh, what, a, what a carnival that must be. But, hey, we still have Burrow and Chase together. So I had very little Chase last year. It might have even been none. And that just feels awful. I, again, I think I overestimated the year off. I think I underestimated Burrow's ability to come back because that injury was late in the second half of the season, Burrow's injury. So I, I was thinking this could take some like time. like 10 games in. Yeah, you're right. To be fair, Chase did. It feels like Chase did need a little bit of time to maybe get up to speed. But once he got up to speed, it felt like he scored a 70-yard touchdown every week. So no Jamar Chase last year. And man, that really hurt. Yeah, um, like... Let's let's acknowledge the Cincinnati beat writers who, you know, it's a it's a who we draft is our own responsibility. I'll I'll take responsibility for that. I had a little bit of chase last year. Might have had one or two more shares if the if the people covering the Cincinnati Bengals throughout training camp and preseason were a little kinder to Joe Burrow and Jabbar Chase. Wow, did they track every every dropped pass? Um, I mean, it, it like it wasn't great, but Jamar Chase is obviously an insane talent. You said it. He's a he's a wonderful player in that team. I know I've talked about it a, a handful of other times. Like one of the one of the biggest things to fret about with that team was the offensive line play last year. They obviously overcame it, got to the Super Bowl. They have fixed it. Um, they have invested well, I think, and and they've invested considerably in the offensive line. And like now that we have a, a nice little wall built around Joe Burrow, and he's almost surely not going to be the most sacked quarterback of 2022 as he was last year. I mean, that has the potential to be an even more dangerous offense if they stay healthy. Health is always the biggest question in the NFL, but um, wow, do things look good for the next, I don't know, 10 years or so of Cincinnati Bengals football. Yeah, what else could you want, right? They have impact skill players. They have a franchise quarterback. And as you said, they had one problem on offense and they fixed it. So, you know, it, they may never get back to a Super Bowl only because the AFC is loaded. There's just so many other good teams and it's really hard to, to get back to those things. But Cincinnati is going to be appointment television for a long time. I, I cannot wait to watch them play this fall. Okay, my my number three on this list is going to be the last individual player that I talk about. And and the the other things are going to be more sort of overarching fantasy themes, draft themes, draft strategies, outlooks, whatever, whatever we want to call them. But a player that I just got. I don't I don't even know that I got him wrong in terms of well obviously everybody got him wrong in terms of the ranks but I I never felt out on him but I didn't end up with any James Conner really maybe I had a share of James Conner I don't know I have a lot of teams but James Conner was not a big part of my fantasy portfolio I I certainly had more Chase Evans than I had James Conner it's just a big miss and and this is this is one that costs you something because when there's a running back who scores 18 touchdowns and he's available after the first like six rounds in most fantasy drafts. That's a, that's a big whiff if you don't end up with any of them. Also, I, like, I feel like we should note he was outrageously inefficient as a runner. It's not like he was necessarily, you know, you, you don't look at the stats and say, wow, I got to get some of that guy going into 2022. He had like 202 carries for 752 yards, 3.7 yards per carry. That's bad. Not a lot of highlights, except the guy that, I mean, the guy just dominated touches inside uh, in goal to go situations inside the red zone. He had 28 carries inside the 10 yard line uh, again, 18 touchdowns. Like I will say, like, I don't, I don't even want to talk about how inefficient he was as a runner because that makes it seem like I'm trying to say that I was secretly right about him. I was not. 
I was wrong. The man scored 18 touchdowns. If I'd been hyping him, I would definitely take a victory lap on James Conner. I I don't know that I would project those 18 touchdowns into this year. I'm not. I'm I'm probably low on him this year too. But I I tip my hat to absolutely everybody who was on James Conner last year and and wrote him into the playoffs. I mean, I don't see how you could have come up with it proactively. I mean, Kyler Murray goes from 11 rushing touchdowns to five. Chase Edmonds had, yeah. what, 170, 180 touches and only scored two touchdowns. Even if you're not getting goal line work, that's just a fluke. Uh, a, a reasonable touchdown distribution for Edmonds would have been five, six, seven touchdowns. He got two. Yeah. So I think things really fell well for Connor. And, and, you know, the thing is, NFL teams, a lot of times at the goal line, they have all sorts of stuff they run. Arizona decided very early in the year, we get to the goal line, it's James Conner time, man. Yeah. And if he stopped on first and goal, you know what? We're running it back to him on second and goal. And that's such a huge advantage to have when you're James Conner. You know, the great thing about Jalen Hurts last year, for example, is that he could have a bad game and still score two rushing touchdowns and, and end up with like quarterback three stats for the week. Yep. James Conner was that type of player. It's like, oh, okay, you know, 12 carries. 32 yards, but he scored twice, you know? So yep. I, that, that, I'm ahead of the curve at running back, a really important guy to get right. I feel like, I feel like you're coming up with like, and I know your next two picks are going to be themes. I, I feel like I'm, I'm coming up with all the really good mistakes that you can promote and, you know, ha ha, Pianowski's an idiot. And you're just like soft pedaling. You know, oh, you know, I got the kicker wrong. You know, I played the wrong <laughs> defense in week four. Uh, I got, this is, I got some explosive mistakes here. Um, these, I have two batched together, and, and I've talked about last year. If you got to the fork in the road on two different teams with two different receivers where A and B were pretty close in price and you took the right guy, if you took Cooper Cup over Robert Woods, if you took Debo Samuel over Brandon Ayuk, man, uh, you your wallet is not big enough for your hundreds now because you cashed in. And it's not, I liked Cooper Cup. I've always liked Cooper Cup. I've been proactive on him from the moment he came into the league. I know he came into the league you know, at old age and, you know, he didn't play at the highest level of competition. I thought he was going to be good. I've, I've made money on Cooper Cup plenty, but not last year because I, I just had Robert Woods maybe one or two slots higher and it was it was really, really close. And so if I ended up with one Rams receiver, it was usually Woods. I had a cup share on uh, one of my teams i think in the chuck muncie auction i ended up with cup and not surprisingly that was my best team the case of Ayuk and debo i actually did openly say to like the twitter and to the fantasy community why, why are we just assuming that Ayuk is better than debo how do we know that's true and yet i did not draft D debo anywhere near i might have been average weight on debo and my teams i i should have just said you know what this is wrong i can get debo i'll just wait till Ayuk goes and that will be the dog whistle to take Debo the next round of the round after that. And and again, I I'd have a printing press in my basement. So it's not again, I had I had a share or two a cup. I had a share or two a Debo. But if you got those two guys right, you dominated the fantasy season along with my number one mistake, who I'll get to in a second. But I feel like it was a great opportunity there and I got it wrong. Um De Debo to me is the more like I had a bunch of cup. I feel like I was pretty noisy about that, right? Like that was one of those key decisions. I got a million things wrong. I I got the cup versus woods thing correct, and it paid off in a couple places. I a did million type of things wrong. I know. Yeah, a million. I did. Really I did not small things. You picked <laughs> the wrong parking space at the supermarket. I got you. <laughs> I did not. I did not have a ton of Debo though, and he, I he's he's somewhat difficult to to discuss in a segment like this i mean i suppose if we just take the receiving stats debo was also great right like he was a 1400 yard receiver so right no um, nobody came up with the idea that he'd become a hybrid player that he became 
Right, right. That is the only complicating factor. I mean, he did not he did not get 14 touchdowns like the normal way. Um, scored most of his touchdowns as a rusher. Um, almost 50, 60 carries, something like that. Obviously, it was a huge part of his game. Not necessarily something that he wants to do going forward. I don't think Debo Samuel wants to be known as a running back. But uh, you're absolutely right. He was he was available um, at a really friendly cost. Um, again, if you just look at the receiving stats, he, he was a dominant player. I mean, there's there's no bad way to get to 1,400 yards. So he was he was spectacular. Um, I'm going to get to my number two. My number two and my number one are both quarterback related, and they are not about specific. God, you were going so easy on yourself. Oh, boo hoo! I got quarterback wrong. That doesn't even hurt anybody. <laughs> you could you. you, you there's never, you know, I always joke about like you know, the year Bill Simmons said, I'm going to draft four quarterbacks. Somebody will have to trade with me. And then you find out nobody will trade with you because nobody ever feels stuck at quarterback. There's, there's a bus leaving every 10 minutes. You're never screwed a quarterback. Gotta, it's such a soft say, mistake. I feel, like, I feel like Saquon in the second round is a pretty big whiff. I feel like not having any James Conner is a pretty big whiff, right? Like I, a lot of people touted James Conner. I you know what you are one. doing? This is what you're doing right now. This is what you're doing right now. This is like on the job interview when they say, what's your biggest weakness? And you say, I have a very low tolerance for negative thinking, you know, or <laughs> I work, I work too hard. That's yeah. my biggest, I'm weakness, a perfectionist. You know? I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. I, yeah. you know, you, you, I, I outwork everybody. That's, that's my weakness. You know, uh, you know why I'm He's doing that? Because those guys get hired because you hire that guy. You don't hire the guy who goes into the job interview and says, yeah, I totally blew it on Jamar Chase. Um, it ain't happening here. Um, that's, 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 Hey, you know why? You know, why I get hired at Yahoo. I know why it's because they said to me, what, what's your writing style like? And, uh, they, they gave me the opening to say it was like Brad Evans. And I said, it wasn't <laughs> not that Brad, Brad, I love you, but I, I think they were all like, you know, there's one Brad Evans. We don't need another one. So <laughs> I, I think at the moment they saw that they just, they gave me the good check mark. I also want to say that like, if I, if I just threw out Trey Lance as, as my, as my number two oh, that's here, a good one. Okay. I think we could have a better conversation. I I was going to say that the ultimately the right answer uh, among the entire rookie quarterback class was was none of them. Nobody. Right? Like none of them were helpful. Davis were Mills. Helpful. Um, right. Like Davis Mills was like the number three rookie scorer quarterback. Um, Mac Jones was number one, but he was like he was barely better than Trevor Lawrence for fantasy. And like nobody wanted anything to do with Trevor Lawrence. Melty, like melty vanilla ice cream. It's just it's, <laughs> there's no upside. There's no upside with Mac Jones. Right, right. Um, and we had we had kind of grown accustomed, I want to say, over the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years to rookie quarterbacks, like deep history of fantasy football. And you you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Deep history of fantasy football. You wouldn't touch a rookie quarterback. But then Cam happened and RG3 happened and Luck and Dak and Lamar. And like, you, you know, we're we're now getting accustomed to banking on some rookie quarterback each season. Again, last year's top scoring rookie quarterback was the QB 18 in Mac Jones. Totally unhelpful. Like people built draft strategies around Trey Lance. I had a handful of team. My, you know, I had a, a roster. It wasn't in the flex leagues, but, but I, one of those, one of those leagues that we traveled to draft, I, I built it around Trey Lance, right? Like the idea that I'll just get a, I'll just get a caddy for the first four weeks of the season or whatever, uh, however long it takes um, before the Niners get tired of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think I talked myself into this idea that they'll hit this early buy or something like that. And then Trey Lance will take over on the back end of it. We only have to endure like September with Garoppolo. I, I had a league where it's in fact, it's a, it's a keeper league. And I drafted Trey Lance at a price that, might seem keepable now, but I was like a competitive team. I had to eventually I sat on Trey Lance all year. I dropped him in December 
for Kendall Blanton because I needed like a, you know, some sort of flyer streamer tight end. Like I, I held him all year and, and and then cut him for a tight end who I then cut the following week. Like Trey Lance did nothing for us. Trey Lance couldn't couldn't take Jimmy Garoppolo's job and injure Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. Jimmy Garoppolo playing through a shoulder injury of his own. Trey Lance could never leapfrog him. It was a bad year overall for the rookie quarterbacks. I would be shocked if this coming year isn't pretty disappointing for the rookie quarterbacks, right? Like Kenny Pickett is probably has the clearest path to a job. I'm not super excited about him, but man, last year was brutal. And Trey Lance wasn't free. Like you didn't, you know, it's not like you were getting maybe, maybe in a hometown, like 10 team league, it's a bunch of college buddies or whatever. Maybe you got Trey Lance late, but like, in a the, the sharper the league, the earlier Trey Lance went because somebody wanted to build around the rushing talents of that guy. And of course we did see when he, when he did get onto the field, right? Like he had like 16 or 18 rush attempts, something like that. Like that's going to pay off eventually, but um, just an absolute bust of a pick. And, and he's also a guy that you that you absolutely sat on for most of the season. So that carries a cost as well. You make a great point that the sharper your league, the more Lance was like a hipster pick, you know, where he would get taken and then half the room would groan. Right. And the angle was, the angle was even in, I I saw him getting taken in best ball leagues. I saw him getting taken in one start, one quarterback league. You're going to sit on Trey Lance. I know he's not playing week one. So what? He's got. He's gonna blow up the game when he comes in, and of course he, you know, he eventually did get some chances to play. Did not blow up the game, and looked very much like what he was, a inexperienced quarterback who hardly played the previous year. And isn't it funny that the Niners trade? They, they prioritized in the draft and traded up to get Lance and traded up to get Trey Sermon. Sermon, uh, you know, who was even if anything more of a bust than Lance was. I mean, he he just looked like he might be out of the NFL pretty soon. And it was the unheralded Elijah Mitchell who was the 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 guy that you needed to be right on the Niners along with Debo Samuel. So Lance, I I take back part of my critique of you, not all of it, but part <laughs> of it, because Lance is a is a pretty good mistake, and I think you're right to own it. And a lot of people got that. The funny thing is, the people who got Lance wrong, I, I think of like Adam Levitan of Established the Run, who I think is one of the sharpest, brightest, um, a guy who I'm always care what he thinks, and I and I a lot yeah. of times I, I'll follow what Adam does. He's he's so bright, and he was really in on Lance, and it's just you know. Every, everybody gets stuff wrong, even even the best players. I, I remember having that. a super bullish conversation with John Daigle at the the mm-hmm. Flex Drafts, and who's great. Like Daigle's fantastic, um, uh, super hard worker, really thorough in in his process. Love Daigle. He and I got Trey Lance wrong together, um, and it was such a it was such a fun and easy case to make, and he barely played. Yeah, it was the cool hipster mistake to make last year was Trey Lance. So here's what I got wrong. Here's my number one drum roll. So frustrating because I had it right. I looked back at the fantasy index. I had this player as my number five overall player when we did the ranks in like May or June, whenever that was. And at one point, this player was the number three overall player on my board. I was above market on him. He was going to be on a lot of my teams. He had a good rookie year. I was in on him. And then his quarterback got hurt and his, his best offensive lineman got hurt. There might have been a second offensive lineman injury. I don't remember. And I thought, you know what? The red flags, it's not Jonathan Taylor's fault, but don't trust his quarterback. I'm worried about the offensive line. They just signed uh, their Naheem Hines to an extension or something like that. So Hines is going to be, they're going to, you know, even though Taylor, the book on him was that can he catch the ball? He caught the ball really effectively his rookie year, but he didn't get a lot of opportunities, like 34 five or 38 on targets or something like that in that neighborhood. But I'm like, well, uh, they're always going to think Naheem Hines is Marshall Falk. Why don't they use Taylor more? 
<laughs> so quarterback issues, offensive line issues. He may have to share more than he really should. I'm going to back off Taylor. So I, it's not that I buried him in my rankings, but I went from being like as bullish as anybody on Taylor in the industry. Maybe somebody had him one or two, but I had him third overall. I know I did. I said, no, no, I got to back off this. And then to the point that I even wrote a, a fade article that had Jonathan Taylor on it. And again, it's just been a theme of this podcast. For three or four weeks, it seemed pretty true. The Colts got off to a poor start. They were not using Taylor. It was one of these things where it's like, how do you end this game with Jonathan Taylor getting 14 touches? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then at one point, about maybe a third of the way into the season, Frank Reich just saw the light, turned on the switch and said, you know what? I'm handing all the keys. I'm handing that big superintendent keychain. I'm handing it to Jonathan Taylor. He's our guy. And he's going to get all the goal line touches and all the rushes and all the catches. And he's going to be the signature player in our offense. And he basically, along with Cup, dominated the fantasy football season. He's on a bunch of magazine covers justifiably this year. And I don't know. Did I overreact? Should I not pay attention to injuries in, in the preseason? This, and again, this isn't, I'm not trying to say I was right. You know, I, I think what happened is I overcorrected. It would have been fine to move him down, but maybe I should have moved him down to around where the industry average was. I should have had some Taylor shares. I got cold feet on Taylor, and and man, did I ever pay a price for that? Sounds like you're saying that you were right before you were wrong, so you weren't you weren't really wrong. That's what I'm hearing here. Yeah, you're just getting you're just getting defensive now. Okay, you just <laughs> you know you're trying to hurt me. I get it. Do you? Um, it's going to be weird because in a in a handful of weeks, I'm going to go through the process where I get ready to to do all these you know in draft little videos that I do where I tell you how good or bad I think your draft spot is, and I always like to look at the previous year's draft slot data. Where did Taylor go? Was was ta by the time we were drafting, like by the time most leagues were drafting, like final week of August, um, very early September wasn't Taylor like a back end of the first round guy? Um, yeah, like, probably like, I think seven, eight, nine, probably something like that. Yeah. Like almost everybody had an opportunity, you know, like more people than not had an opportunity to draft Jonathan Taylor in your league. I, I know Schwab and I in the league missed him. Um, and he's obviously uh, Frank, like Jonathan Taylor, a uh, Wisconsin guy. Yeah. We missed him by one pick and, and did really want him. Like we had the 11th or 12th pick and whoever we took didn't come anywhere close to what Taylor did. It's just going to be one of those weird years where, the winningest draft slot in Yahoo leagues is like pick eight or something like that. that never happens. Like yeah, that, too many early, too, too many early running backs didn't do it. I mean, McCaffrey was a yeah. brick. Uh, Zeke was mediocre. Um, Henry got hurt finally, although he was still running back 14, which one of my favorite stats of the year. He missed half the season and he was running back 14, which is amazing. I mean, Derek Henry really didn't kill you. He, just he, he was something was, like ninth in the league in rushing yards. Like he played know, half a amazing. year. I know it's amazing. What are you doing with Henry this year, by the way? He is, I, so I haven't drafted him yet, which is a thing that I'm kind of embarrassed about. This is this is going to be one of those things where I probably have to go in and, and adjust ranks at some point. I always take the I always take the top receivers ahead of him, right? Like I'm I'm taking Cup ahead of him, I'm taking Jefferson ahead of him, I'm taking Chase ahead yeah, of him. I'm Cup Jefferson. Chase is kind of like my target list. I think he's sitting there as like my RB three, but as a practical matter, I haven't. I certainly haven't taken him third overall. Um, I haven't yet taken him fifth overall. And he's this and is he's how the sausage is made. We make rankings and then we draft and then we realize we're not being you know, fair to our rankings or we're not being true to our rankings. And then we realize the rankings need to change. It's just really hard because like I, you know, I do some early forecasting on this stuff when we come up, you know, you and I have talked before about how we we write magazine blurbs for for Lindy's and like I write all the running backs and I come up with forecasts for the running backs. It's hard if you want to give Derrick Henry 14 games 
this is going to be a hell of a season, right? Like it's hard to, it's hard not to get to 1600 scrimmage yards for Derrick Henry. If you're going to give him like 14 or 15 games, unless you think he's just going to fall off a cliff. He did catch a handful more passes last year than he ever had in his career, right? Like he was, it's not that it was a ton, but it was going to be an acceptable number. Um, it was going to be a number that you didn't just roll your eyes at in PPR leagues, right? Like he was going to finish with over 30 catches, which is fine if you're going to, if you're going to lead the league in rushing. So he's going to be, he's going to be tricky, but if he's, you know, I'll, I'll end up with, with a fair amount of Derrick Henry, as long as we, you know, if, if he's a guy who's taken, you know, two days off out of every four or five in training camp, that'll worry me. If we hear reports about, you know, pitch counts and usage worries and stuff like that, I guess that'll be a little bit of a concern. Um, but if we're given reason to think that they're going to enter the season, and right now I like, I don't know why they wouldn't, if we're given reason to think that they're going to enter the season with Derrick Henry as like a, a 300 touch back, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be hard not to end up with him somewhere. Tennessee's one of my fades of the year. I number one seed in the AFC last year. This is going to be one of these in October. People could be like, how did the Titans have the number one seed last year in the AFC? Oh. They, they've lost AJ Brown. Uh, they, they got nothing from Julio last year. He's gone. Tannehill's, you know, in his thirties now, though that isn't a kill shot for a quarterback. And Henry's in a very dangerous spot in his career, I, I would be flabbergasted. I think everything has to go wrong for the Colts for them not to win the division. Jacksonville and Houston are in what could be long rebuilds. I, to the point, this division is so bad that people are actually talking themselves into the Jaguars as being a little bit frisky yeah. Yeah. because they look at how bad everybody else is. But I, I think the Colts just A to Z as long as Matt Ryan doesn't throw up all over themselves or they don't have horrible injury luck and they've already had some injuries with Leonard. But um, the Colts should win this division. They should win this division to the point that they're not even playing anybody in Week 18. Okay, I'm going to give you my number one mistake for 2021. And I, I thought that this would appear on your list in some way. It is quarterback related. So maybe I, you know, maybe I shouldn't have saved a quarterback issue for the number one mistake of 2021. But I do think it's I do think it's an interesting note to end on. And that is I, I went into last year and I, I know you felt much the same way thinking that dual threat quarterbacks were just absolutely 100 percent the way to go. And I was not going to leave very many drafts without one of the run heavy quarterbacks. Right. And, and so what we ended up with is yes, Josh Allen led the position in scoring and that had a lot to do with 700 plus rushing yards, six rushing scores, but the next seven quarterbacks in terms of fantasy scoring two through eight, they didn't get there because of what they did uh, on the ground. They, they got there because they, they threw for 4,000 4, plus yards and at like 35 touchdowns, right? Like they were all volume passers. None of them rushed for more than three TDs. None of them rushed for 400 yards. Uh, you know, it's guys like Herbert and Mahomes who have a little bit of rushing ability. It's a guy like Brady who has none. Rogers who has fun, basically none. Dak is in there. Burrow's in there. Like these are just not guys that were doing it on the strength of their rushing contributions. I had... I had a fair amount of Jalen Hurts last year, which was obviously fine. He was a decent value. He was very good for fantasy for most of the season until they stopped throwing. At some point, you got to throw a little bit. I obviously had a lot of Lamar Jackson. That, uh, you know, depending on how you replaced Lamar, it wasn't necessarily a death blow to your fantasy roster because, again, in a one-quarterback league, you can usually replace the position. But had a ton of Lamar Jackson. That was a mistake. The dual threat guys last year, just as a group, were not particularly impressive. And it was, again, it was guys like Stafford. Like the leagues that I won last year, I went through and sort of did this audit. I had Brady, I had Rodgers, um, and I had Burrow. 
right? You you probably could have done fine with Kirk Cousins. Justin yeah. Herbert was a right yeah. was a right answer last year. It's it's funny. It feels like Hertz should have been better than quarterback nine, but it just reflects how mediocre he was as a passer because he he man he really paid the bills through you know a lot of garbage time production, a lot of stuff on the ground. Mediocre um, to the point that the team was like, we have to stop passing so much. <laughs> I still think Gardner Minshew might be their best quarterback. I'm going to die on that hill. It's very lonely, by the way. I, and and there's, there's, there's plenty of room. We can, you know, bring a bring a blanket, bring a picnic, lunch, or whatever. You know, bring some wine, whatever. We can we can have football. We can toss it around. A but there's a 24 hour a day party on Minshew Island or Minshew Hill. Everybody's happy. I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing you you're, we're, we're, it's going to be successful, but you'll be very happy. You'll be very happy as you win six games. Um, no, that's that's a good one. That's um. You are in a weird inflection point now. I mean, what do we do after the season Kyler Murray had where he was very reluctant to run? He got banged up. I'm not, you know, he's so short. It, it's, we're at an eight, we're at a time in the NFL where teams are more understanding about height. Drew Brees had a great career. He's barely six feet on a good day. Russell Wilson's not very tall. He's Hall of Fame trajectory for sure. But man, Kyler's really, really short. And if he's not going to be a major running threat, what is he? Is he an average quarterback? Is he slightly above average? I mean, I think it, Kyler Murray, like last year, might have been seen as like a possible MVP candidate. I don't think anybody's saying that now. Where do we go forward on Lamar Jackson? Are you drafting? Let's just focus on Jackson and uh, Murray right now. Are you green light, yellow light, red light on them as we we sit here in mid-June? Uh, yeah, I, w- I wish I could say that I'd learned from this mistake, but I'm still pretty into Lamar Jackson. I mean, some okay. some of that is the fact that Lamar Jackson's st- like... It's really it's really hard to get his MVP season out of your head, right? Like he's still very young. Um, Broke football, yeah. Like that guy, more often than not, was scoring thirty fantasy points, which you know usually you can cover quarterbacks with uh, almost any. But you could find a guy in the wire. You can stream the position. You do a lot of things at quarterback. If you're going up against a team that is routinely getting thirty to thirty five from its quarterback, you've got that's a problem. Um, That is. That is crazy. He, uh, although, although what was crazy with that MVP year, and I think a lot of people forget this, he led the league in touchdown passes. I mean, as unbelievable as a runner as he was, <laughs> he led the league in touchdown throws and had a nine uh, touchdown percentage of nine, which is you're just never going to see that yeah, again. Right um, now, th- now he regret the quote unquote regressed to 26 touchdowns and a touchdown rate of 6.9. And he still ran for over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns in 2020. And that, that was a point where it's like, okay, if this is the baseline, this is the floor I'm buying in on, you know, that's his typical season. 2019 is the high end, but 2020 is perfectly acceptable. Sure, I'm in. And then last year, his touchdown rate cratered to 4.2. So again, it was nine in 2019. It was 4.2 last year. A lot of uh, different extenuating circumstances. He had some stomach problems. I think he might have had COVID at one point. He certainly missed games. Due to injury, uh, Hollywood Brown dropped, I don't know, 17 yeah, touchdown right. passes estimate. So there was that too. But And the Ravens were, I believe, the most injured team in football. If they weren't, they were one of the top two or three teams. Uh, you would think a bounce back is in order. I, I think Baltimore's a playoff team. Well, their year, injuries right? were all just monumental too, right? Like it's Dobbins, it's Jackson, it's every key defensive back, right? Like like everybody, everybody who was like a brand name player was getting hurt for that team. I thought so they had line inju- offensive line injuries too. And that's, yeah. you know, th- what you want with your offensive line, there's no way to guard against it. The best offensive lines are always the continuity offensive lines. It's because right. these guys have played together and nobody got hurt. We And you see, you know, oh, this, this team has started the same offensive line for 17, 18 weeks. That's always a good team. 
because nobody got hurt and nobody was so bad that you had to force them to the bench. I mean, it's a little bit of survivor bias. I mean, you you wouldn't keep that group together if they weren't healthy and productive. But man, is that such an advantage when it happens? Yeah. So I got to say, and I, I I don't know that you and I have fully talked this out. Like, are you are you still prioritizing? Is it a tiebreaker for you, the Russian quarterback thing, the dual threat guys? Like, are you still prioritizing it? I would like my guy to at least run a little, like, at least the the Herbert or Mahomes level. Yeah. The augment. I'd like my quarterback to at least augment me on the ground. What, what Russell Wilson was kind of in, until last year. Herbert's a great example of it. Mahomes is a great example of it. I would draft Brady. I'm I'm out on Rodgers. I just don't trust the receivers. I, I don't really want a quarterback who's a zero in the rushing t- in column, but he doesn't have to be super proactive. If he's resourceful as a runner, I think that's enough. And those are the kind of guys who I'm I'm going to probably have a lot of guys like that. Like last year, I had did have a lot of Herbert. I didn't get that right. So I'd like to find a quarterback who maybe fits the Herbert model for this year where he's not trampled value. Actually, Wilson is a guy I'm probably going to have this year. I think he's getting out of Seattle at the right time. And I, I think Russell Wilson is has a lot of good receivers around him. And he'll. I still think he has a chance of you know, running for maybe four or 500 yards and a handful of touchdowns, which is what I'm looking for. That's a that's a nice positive note to go out on. Let's uh, let's wrap with that. That is going to do it for this episode. Uh, guys, you should follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. He's an underscore guy. I am not. I am merely at Andy Barron's. While you're there, please, uh, as I always say, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Although if you're not doing it after years of playing on Yahoo Fantasy, I don't know why I keep asking. Liz is going to be back later in the week with Frank Schwab. He's good. And they're going to discuss the mistakes that they made in 2021. Until then, we are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.